in a series called Rooted, and what we're talking about is the idea that, um, like in every other area of your life, it's the little things, right? It's the little amount that you saved from when you were little. It's the, the, the little times you go to the gym. It's the little decisions you make when you open up the fridge and go, Duh, I'm not going to do it, right? It's all these little things that produce uh, quite a bit of fruit. And so the Rooted series is the idea of like, what are the things that we can really focus on, the disciplines that will produce fruit in our lives? And that's what we've been talking about. And this morning, what I'm going to talk about as the ushers lock the back doors and the side doors is we're going to talk about money this morning. Now, uh, for those of you who might be new to church or maybe you're just watching online and you're like, I'm going to give church another shot because all they talk about is money and, uh, you know, it's been a while and finally, you know, I'll, I'll go back to church or I'll watch online or whatever and surely, surely this one time I come back to church, they won't be talking about money. And, oh man, maybe the Lord wants you to hear something. So, um... I don't know, but I will say this. There is a reason the church talks about money. There's a reason the Bible talks about money. And that's because you talk about money. The problem is not the church talking about money. That's not the problem. The problem is that I'm presenting a view of money that competes against your God of money. That when you talk about money, it's okay. Oh, it's the economy, it's gas prices, it's did I get a raise, it's I'm not getting what I'm worth, it's this, it's that, it's my parents died and didn't leave me anything. It's a, by the way, uh, just so you know, it is so awesome to have a parent pass away when you grew up poor because there's nothing to divide between anybody. So my sister and brother and I get along great. You know, there's nothing to, to argue over. But I've watched family after family be destroyed destroyed over money, over what was left. I've seen divorces, right? That, like they're all getting along great through the divorce. And yes, and I'll take that. And then it comes down to money. And oh my goodness, you would just imagine that it was like you were, you were like killing puppies. It was just like the evil that they're trying to take my what? My money. We hate the government because it takes our money. We don't like this because it costs too much money. The reason the church talks about money and the Bible talks about money is because you can't stop talking about money. And so God weighs in on this competing God of money and says, hey, let me tell you why your God is horrible. While your God of money is horrible. Let me tell you why consumerism is a terrible trait to have in your culture. Let me tell you why hoarding is bad. Let me tell you why thinking you're going to make it, that there's a number, that if you get to that number, you will have arrived. Let me tell you why that's bad. And that just makes us uncomfortable because we love money. We love it. So... If you think the church talks about money, I am not going to be ashamed to talk about money because the church talks about it way less than you do, right? Okay, so there's my little thing about money, and you can all send me uh, hate mail if you want, but we're going to talk about it as it should be talked about. Money is a bad God. 
It does not serve you at all. You say, well, man, if I didn't have money, how would I live? We'll get to all, all those things. But it's a God that you cannot sprinkle in Jesus. If you're worshiping money, you don't just sprinkle Jesus on top and make it all great. Jesus is not icing. Jesus wants the whole cake. <laughs> Jesus wants it all. And then he puts money in its place. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Um, and uh, don't be uncomfortable because I'm not uncomfortable. From the beginning of time, uh, we were told how we were designed as humans. Both male and female, we were created in God's image. And we were created for a certain purpose. It was to commune with God. And here's what the Bible says in Genesis. The Lord took uh, God, uh, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to work it and to care for it. That's why you are on this planet. And here's, I have two statements that I'm going to make. And if you say, John, I think I've heard this sermon before. You have. <laughs> you have. We're going over it once again. Uh, and I have two statements that I make every time I talk about money. And the first is this one. We were created for stewardship, not ownership. Our culture tells us we were created for ownership. And the more you own, the better you are. I uh, had the privilege of reading a bunch of studies on money uh, when I preach a sermon. I always like just kind of going, well, where's our culture at? And so there's been many studies out of Harvard and Berkeley and where smart people go. And, um, and it was really fascinating to read where these studies are coming from and how um, they're beginning to view money as this like addiction as this odd thing that we that we just idolize and want I'm like yeah that's been in the Bible all this time like you need science to prove it you don't and so one of the studies was this they took even handling money changes us physiologically I don't know if you know that, but Berkeley did a study where they, they, they lie to all these people when they do the studies. They tell them it's for one thing, but it's really for another. So if you're in a study, it's not for the thing they tell you. So one was count slips of paper, and it's for dexterity, they said, to see how fast you could count pieces of paper. And then the other one, they gave dollar bills, and they said how fast you can count it, and it was for dexterity. But the two groups didn't know about each other. And so what they did was... They, for the ones who did it with pieces of paper, they then afterwards, this is so bizarre, but I love science, had them stick their hands in really hot water, 122 degrees, okay, which doesn't burn you, but you don't, it's not comfortable. And then they did the same for the people who were handling the money. That's the only difference. One had money, one had slips of paper, and they just counted. The ones who touched the money when they put their hands in the hot water, it wasn't as dis uh, uncomfortable. The dopamine that was released just by touching the money became this like um, Advil or like this thing that just made them feel a little more euphoric. And if you counted just regular pieces of paper, then it was too hot. It didn't have that same effect. Isn't that weird? They also did a study. If you think about money, so they just had you thinking about money. And they, they, they did all these tests on your emotions and everything. And you'd either get like real happy or you'd get super agitated. No one just stayed the same thinking about 
money. Isn't that interesting? They did another study. Like I said, I was geeking out this week. They did another study with fake money. They had everyone play Monopoly. And then they ran all these tests. And the person who was winning in Monopoly, who started getting more money, they started taking up more room on the board. And they started like becoming prideful. And when they'd move their pieces, they recorded it all. They'd move them louder, right? And you're like, oh yeah, I know rich people. That's exactly how they are, right? Because you're not rich. I'm not rich. Are we? Like, has the God of money given, told us a lie that everyone in this room and watching me online isn't rich? Because when you take in the entire globe and you say, John, well, I'm certainly not rich, not like Elon Musk. No, but you're rich. I'm rich. And so what I'm hoping to do this morning in the short time we have is to give you a little idea of how God views money and why we talk about money in the church, and then, uh, uh, then we'll be on our way, okay? So here's, here's what Jesus says. So every time it's Jesus, you kind of have to listen up. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. In other words, when you serve your God of money, when you worship that God, and you get all the benefits of that God, they don't last. You say, you b build up a big bank account, whatever. And even if it does last, and you hand all your millions of dollars over to your kids, statistics show you just ruined them. That's science. That's not the Bible. Well, the Bible agrees, but that's science. When you hand over all that money to those kids, it does not benefit them. Even though you go, I worked all my life for the kids, it doesn't help them, okay? This is what Jesus is saying. You store up that kind of stuff, you make that your focus, that next thing, that next click, that next delivery, that next thing, it does not last. You say, well, Jesus, if I don't store up myself for treasures on earth, Right? Because I do understand that it deteriorates and rust and thieves and all this kind of stuff. I understand that. Then what do we do? He goes, oh, I'm so glad you asked. You're very smart. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. In other words, what you do with your money is far more important to God than how much you accumulate. We were created for stewardship, not ownership. It's all his money. It's all his. This church is his. These clothes are his. It's all his. I just steward them. And he says, while you're stewarding them, don't hold on to them. Don't get attached to them. It's all going to burn. Store up for yourselves treasures on heaven where nothing can take that away. God, your heavenly father, is a way better God than the God of money. The God of money doesn't last it's like the Wizard of Oz. You pull the curtains back and you go, this has been nothing. My life has been about accumulating and getting and trying to be at the top of the heap and all this stuff, and it's come out to nothing. It's a lie, is what Jesus is saying. And then he says this, because he takes it one step farther. He says, for where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. Like if your heart's in for money, that's tragic. 
You weren't designed for that. You were designed from the very beginning to commune with your heavenly father and then to steward the money you have, not own it and then ultimately have it own you. Because of this God of money, the, in America, we are in crazy consumer debt because we think, we, well, we deserve this. We have to have this. And your heavenly father is like, bad God. <laughs> it's a bad God. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. That's where you're going to move to her. And then he says this incredible incredible statement. You cannot, no one can serve two masters. Either you're going to hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. And I would just say this for those of you who are like, I don't like the church. They talk about money. That's a really great indication that something's wrong. That something's wrong. You should not be offended by anybody talking about money. You shouldn't be offended by your Red Cross asking for money. You shouldn't be offended by anybody asking you for money. What is it that's triggering you in this money topic? What makes you so uncomfortable about money? It's just a unit of measure. It's a horrible God. It'll get you. And hold on to you. And you'll begin to compare one of the ways you worship the God of money. The way you devote yourself to money is by comparing yourselves to others. That's one of the acts of worship with money. Is you compare. And then you say, well, they have this and I don't have that. So I am lesser, they are greater. That's your worshiping money at that point. One of the other ways we worship money is to go into debt. Because we have to have it. We can't wait for it. We have to worship it right now. We, we, if we don't have it, we're missing out. That's an act of worship for the God of money. Consumer debt, that's exactly what it is. So there's no reason to be offended by it. There's no reason to be uncomfortable by the topic of money. It's a bad God. And all we're doing is just exposing that. You can't serve both of them. You can't serve money and just, I want, I want, I want, I want, and then I'll go to church and I'll worship God. God's like, bad God, you've got to put that aside. You've got to put that aside. You're going to hate the one, and you're going to love the other. You'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. Don't be offended when people ask you for money or talk to you about money. It's just a unit of measure. It's not your identity. It has no eternal value whatsoever. What you do with your money does have eternal value. He says, you cannot serve both God and money. You can't do it. You can't do it. Just like you can't serve God and sex, you can't serve God and power, right? Those things, those gods have to be stripped away and put aside. And all our devotion goes to our Heavenly Father who loved us and sent His Son to die for us. When God talks about money, and especially uh, what the Old Testament calls the tithe, what He's doing is instructing us. Don't allow that God to get its grip on you. 
And here's how you get away from it. Here's how you don't allow it to happen. And so God institutes the tithe. So one of the things I say every time I talk about money is that we were not created for, we were created for stewardship, not ownership. And the other thing I say every single time is this. Giving is not God's way of raising money. It's his way of raising his children. It's not, oh no, oh no, we need a roof. What's, what's God going to do? Oh, we need your money. Oh, please, uh, could you ask your God of money if we could have a little bit of it? Because our God, our Heavenly Father can't take. No, what God is saying is money's going to crush you. It's going to kill you. It's going to give you anxiety. It's going to destroy your relationships. It's going to make you hate your boss. It's going it's to make you angry at your spouse for buying things that they shouldn't buy. And you're going to get all uptight and all upset. And you're going to look through the visa bill. And in my case, she might find out that there were some tools that were purchased this week. But the point I'm trying to make is this, that, that these, this is what happens. And God says, listen, listen, there's a way to get rid of all that. There's a way to get through all of that. And it's to set a portion of your money aside as an offering to say, I am not going to be bound by what I get is mine and I'm now stuck with it. The tithe was instituted to raise his children, just like you would do with any of your kids. What do you do? You give them principles. Hey, you're going to run into this as you get older. Watch out. Here's what you do. Here are the tools you need. That's all the tithe is. It's just God's way of saying, you are going to be tempted. And guys, come on now, especially in America. I mean, America, money is king. I mean, money is everything, everything. We talk about it constantly. And God says, hey, I have a way for you to, it's a cheat code, and it's called the tithe. Now, tithe just means tenth, and for some of you right now, you're just thinking, oh, now I remember why the talk on money makes me uncomfortable, because you're doing the math in your head. I'll make this much money, get mad. That means I would have to give how much, right? Okay. And God says, yeah, it's no big deal. It's not a big deal. This is how he raises his children. So here's another statement that I want to I just make, just so we're, you know where I'm coming from. I'm not asking you to give. I'm telling you to give. I'm telling you this is the secret. Generosity is the way you kill the God of money. Right? I'm not asking for money. I'm just telling you. It's like if you were to talk to anyone who's had any success in any part of your, their life, and you ask them, what's the secret of success? They don't ask you to do something. They say, oh, you have to do this. This is the answer. I'm telling you, if you want to know the key to squish that small g god of money, you become a generous person. And and it, and it has a number. It's the tithe, okay? Now, if you're like, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. Uh, I don't, my, sir, like my salary does not come from how much everybody gives, right? They, it's, it's based on a, the board decides all that, based on a book that's all that, whatever. It's all taken care of. And I am taken care of very well. I'm happy. I will never need a raise. I'm great. I am good. Uh, 
right? But it breaks my heart as a shepherd who loves his sheep to see people so crippled by this subject when you can be so free. Here's what Paul writes this letter to Timothy. And just so you know, I, I changed one of the verses because it was Paul writing to Timothy. So he'll, he'll say, man of God you know, to Timothy, because he's writing to Timothy. But this is for men and women. So I, I took out man of God, and I put in follower of Christ. So for women who uh, are, if you're struggling with money, or men struggling with money, it doesn't matter. This principle is the same. It, it, it goes across gender, it goes across age, it goes across socioeconomic st standards, Okay, it's not like rich people pay 10%, poor people pay 1%. It's all even, okay? All right, here's what uh, Paul is trying to explain to Timothy. He's saying, don't focus on money, Timothy. Focus on contentment. If you focus on contentment, you win regardless, right? And I know this is true because I can see people all over the world in far, far, far worse socioeconomic uh, plight than you might be in, and they're happy, and they're content. It can't be money. That's just scientifically impossible because I see people and have been around people who make less than all of us. I, I know what they make, and it's less than you, and they're happy, and they're content. And this is what Paul's trying to say. Break those chains, Timothy. Especially as a pastor. He's, Timothy was a shepherd here. But teach your people this too. Teach your sheep this. Here's what he says to Timothy. But godliness. In other words, remember what Jesus said. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Right? Where moth and vermin and thieves come in and take it. Don't, don't do that. But what? Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, right? Now Paul is taking that and running with it and saying, but godliness, these, these, these um, treasures in heaven, with contentment, you won the lottery. You win. If you are content with what you have right now, you won life. If you think to yourself, if I only had X, and it doesn't matter what X is, a dollar more an hour, whatever, this or that. There's something wrong. It's just an indication. It's just an engine light. It's like, well, if I'm not content, what's going on? It can't be money because there's people poorer than me that are content. So it must be a heart issue. I must be serving someone that is not providing for me. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought, look at it where Paul goes with this. We brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it. Or if you're like me and talking to your children, I brought you into this world and I can, no, I'm just kidding, right? We've brought nothing into this world and we're going to take nothing out. As hard as you work to get everything all in order, I promise you the death rate is 100%. You're going to be gone. And all that hard work are going to go to those wretched, nasty children. Right? You brought nothing in. You're going to take nothing out. So, while you're here, let's not fuss about all of that. Be free. 
be set free from this God of money that just will get their talents in and tell you you are lesser than because you're not making this amount of money. Or you made a mistake. This is what I see so many times in my ministry. You'll make a mistake financially. You'll invest everything in Bitcoin because you swore it was going to make it and you thought it was going to go or whatever. And now you live in the shame of that bad decision as though your identity is mixed up in that. You made a mistake. You lost some money. So what? It has nothing to do with your value. You made a bad decision. I make bad decisions every day, right? Don't let the God of money place a value on you. Your heavenly father has placed a value on you and you're priceless no matter how much you make. Be set free from it. We brought nothing into this world. We can take nothing out. Now I'm preaching. But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. Okay, hold on. Hold on. You're like, I know what you're thinking. You're like, John, that looks like an Apple watch on your wrist. <clears throat> I know if you took it away, I'd be very sad, right? <laughs> but if I go through it, the exercise of what would happen if you took away the things. If I just had food and clothing. If I, if I took the Bible for what it says. If we had food and clothing, we'll be content with that. I have friends um, that are in our community that are on our campus all the time. And these friends of mine just have food and clothing. That's all they have. And they're happy. They're content. So as I do the exercise and I go through my life and I think of I love technology and all these things, is this, this is true, you guys. This is true. We do not need anything else but food and clothing. Now, do we aspire for more? Fine. If you've got to run a business and you make lots of money, some of the most wonderful people I know are really, really wealthy. And they're beautiful people and they're generous and they're awesome. And some of the most wonderful people I know are dirt poor, and they're beautiful people, and they're awesome, and vice versa. Some of the most nastiest people you've ever seen are wealthy or poor. It makes no difference. Paul is saying this, those who want to get rich, they fall into temptation. They start doing stuff with their money that doesn't make sense to make a quick gain and this. And they, they, they gamble with stuff that they shouldn't be gambling with. And they go, go into such a trap. That, and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. When I teach um, premarital counseling, I talk about just three things, right? I talk about um, sexual intimacy and, and setting boundaries and protecting your marriage that way. I talk about communication and I talk about money because when someone's sitting on my couch, a couple, and they're not sitting together, one sitting in a chair and one sitting on a thing, it's one of those three things, right? It's one of those three things. And a lot of times it's money. And it's true, it's harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. That these couples get so tense over money and they're arguing and they're fussing and this, and maybe you can get a second job and oh my goodness, it's terrible. For the love of money is, the, is a root of all kinds of evil. Just so you know, that is the translation, not the love of, it's not money is the root of all evil. That's a terrible, that's not the translation. It's the love of money. Money is just a number. It's just a thing. It's nothing. It's a horrible God. 
The love of something that's just a number doesn't work. It's the root of all kinds of evil. For some, he goes on, eager for money, have wandered from the faith. I've seen this many, many times. Maybe that's you. You left the church because they were talking about money and you don't want them touching your God. So you leave and you're all bent out of shape because somebody asked for a part of your money and oh my goodness, don't do that. They've pierced themselves with many a grief. But you, follower of Christ, see, I, I, I told I warned you I was going to change the Bible. Run for your lives. <laughs> Don't get bogged down with that stuff. It doesn't work. Look at America. We are the richest country in the world. We made it. We arrived. We're wealthy and we're miserable. Bad God. Bad God. Money is a bad God. Run from it. You say, why? Because that's storing up your treasures in heaven. I mean, in, in, on earth. And it's not going to last. It's not going to work. One little thing with the stock market and that 401k, which you worked your whole life, and you're, oh, I'm only four years away from retirement, gone. Have a nice day, by the way. Okay. <laughs> Flee from this. What do you do? And pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. See the difference between worshiping the God of money, anxiety, falling into snares, traps, deceitful desires. Like if that, is that what you want? as a result of your worship, or would you like righteousness, godliness, faith, endurance, gentleness? None of this requires money. None of it. You can have this when you're poor. You can have it when you're rich. It's actually easier to have when you're poor. Because when you're rich, you begin to rely on your own stuff. You've, you've, you've had that happen before, I'm sure. So what do we do? What do we do? Well, like I said, this is a harsh sermon this morning, so we might as well just go for it, right? <clears throat> we'll go Old Testament on you guys. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Now you say, oh, see, food in my house. You're talking about the church. I knew this was going to be, you were going to be asking for money. I'm not asking you to give. I'm telling you to give. I'm telling you, this is real and it works. When you give sacrificially, and we can put the 10% aside, even though that's exactly what tithe means, but we'll just put it aside. And maybe you start with 1%. Maybe you've never given before. And you take this money and you put it aside. And millennials, I want to talk to you for just one second. Because you guys are really good at uh, uh, feeling compassion for issues. And so uh, you will give to specific issues. But what I'm asking you to do is to think beyond that. To give just to give. To not give and be in control of it. I'm going to give this amount to this because I really feel passionate about that. I'm going to give this to the homeless. I'm going to give. You're still in control in that way. Find a place you can give where you just give. And you're not in control and you just don't know what's going on. That's how you combat this God of money. He says, test me in this. It's one of the only places in scripture God says, Put me to the test. 
You're saying, well, wait a minute, that goes against the Bible. It says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Well, yeah, when he's not asking to be tested, but he's going, try it out. See what happens. Go for it. You're like, ooh, I don't know, doesn't that feel scary? Yes, it's scary. It's totally scary. One time, Lisa and I, we, uh, I've told this story too many times. This is the problem when you've led a church for 17 years. I got no more stories. This is it. Uh, but we, um, I lost a lens. We, uh, hey, got another pair right here, just like a pro. So we couldn't make our mortgage because we were in an adjustable uh, rate mortgage and, we, and it was going up and my income uh, was not. <laughs> and so, um, and I've tithed ever since I was like 12 years old with a paper route. And that's what makes it easy, by the way. If you don't tithe, if you want to like walk in disobedience and not give anything and just hoard all your money, at least teach your kids to do it. Because if they do it, they'll do it for the rest of their lives. And they'll be free. So just teach them to be free. So uh, my parents did teach me that. And so even when I had a paper out, I was tithed and I always tithed. And then we couldn't make our mortgage payment. And it, it got real. <laughs> it got really real. And so I did the exercise of what if I was with Lisa and we just had food and clothing, right? So this is a big dilemma for me. I'm going over it and over it because I love money. I mean, I, I like the security. But like I said, I grew up poor. Money was like, oh, good, it's going to be okay. And the Lord wanted to break that in me. And so I couldn't make, I said, we, so I said to Lisa, we have to pay tithe or we pay our mortgage, just one, one or the other. And, uh, of course, you know, I, she's the spiritual head of the household, so uh, she's like, uh, Will you pay your time? Yeah, kind of like dummy. But I wasn't a pastor then, so that's good. Um, so she says, well, we're going to pay our tithe. So we hadn't even paid anything yet. But the opposite happened to me. I was like, oh, I'm free. I'm like, like this mortgage, this 30-year thing isn't, that's not, I don't live for that. Right? And so we paid our tithe and everything worked out. It was all fine. But but I actually, I actually tested him, and he was faithful. He's a good, good father. See if I won't open the floodgates of he heaven and pour out so much blessing that there may not be enough room to store it. This blessing isn't just financial. The blessing I received by choosing to tithe over, over choosing to pay my mortgage, basically risking the house, I'll, I would not trade that blessing for anything. The lightness and the freedom of going, I don't have to worry about this. My heavenly father has me. That godliness with contentment is great, great gain. I am not asking you to give. I'm begging you to give. I'm telling you to give. This is one of those rooted principles that if we can break it, because our culture tells us the exact opposite every single day. Which iPhone do you have? They got another one. And it's way better than the one you have. And if you have that one, you suck. This one's way better. You're amazing, right? This is our culture constantly. That one's going to come back to bite me. Okay. <laughs> As the worship band comes back up, 
I was telling Lisa this morning, I'm like, this is about as straightforward a sermon as you're going to get. Like it's about as I have nothing fancy. I got nothing. It's almost like eat right and exercise. That's what it feels like to me. I feel like I went up. I stated the obvious. You know, you're supposed to eat right and exercise. Everyone goes, oh, yeah, that's good. Okay, bye. Except, you know, our culture doesn't do any of that either, right? So all I can do is plead with you on this subject. Try it. Get good at it. Take the God of money and put it in its place. That godliness with contentment is such better gain than money. It doesn't last. It doesn't provide anything. So what we're going to do is uh, we're going to take communion right now. And uh, whenever you're ready, you can just come forward. And uh, it's like self-serve. And uh, if you want to kneel at the altar... Uh, you can do that and uh, pray there. There'll be somebody at the cross if you want something. Maybe it is money. Maybe you're just overwhelmed with debt. You're like, oh, just could someone just pray for me and just help me get through this season of my life? That's what they're there for. There's no shame in that. Nobody's perfect. We don't have any masks here like everyone's got it all together. We're as broken as the next person. But when you take that communion and you think about the sacrifice Jesus made, this isn't a guilt thing from the standpoint of like, he sacrificed so much, you could at least pay some money. Like, it's not that at all. It's that he got this. He got this. Our lives poured out for our Heavenly Father. That is the life worth living. Those risks are the ones worth taking. Let me pray. Lord Jesus. We thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you that you watch over us. Lord, as we take communion and we take your body and blood and the sacrifice, Lord, the fact that on the night you were betrayed, you took the bread and you blessed it and broke it and said, this is my body. I've given it all over for you. You took the cup and you blessed that. And he said, this is my blood which has been poured out for the remission of sins. That we would take and eat and drink and remember this sacrifice. Lord, we thank you for that. May that find its way into every portion of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we go ahead and stand for the blessing. You guys good? Okay, you don't feel beat up or anything? Okay, good. Hey, I, I do want to just mention one thing. Uh, for those of you who are really struggling financially, I know this was heavy, okay? And uh, I know you're like, I want to I follow the Lord, but this is really difficult. I understand what that, that's like. I really do. Uh, I've, we've been down the way I grew up. We were struggling. So I would just ask that you take a little risk, okay? Just, just try something different. Maybe it's to put something off till later or whatever. And just make that an act of worship. Just do the best you can. He loves you. He loves you and he's on your side. Um, but this wasn't supposed to be a time where you just get beat up again, okay? Um, but I do believe 100% of everything uh, 
uh, I said this morning. I would just take, ask you to take a little bit of a, a risk, okay? All right. Well, now, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I pray you would go in His grace and His mercy and His strength and His power. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, and we will see you next Sunday.